Heavenly Father, we rejoice because we can live because you are alive, Lord Jesus. We come to you tonight. We honor you as our Lord and Savior. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come during the middle of the week and to gather in this place to open the Word of God and to be encouraged by it, to learn from it, so that we might be your followers in our lives. Lord, we come here tonight with all kinds of, of distractions, burdens, joys, all kinds of emotions. So we bring all of our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We pray that you might see our hearts and our desire is that we might hear from your word and that we might learn together what it is we need to know from the book of Lamentations, from the, the lament of Jeremiah in the midst of the suffering <clears throat> of Israel for their disobedience and their sinfulness. Lord, we do pray for the ministries and the various Bible studies and activities going on all across the campus tonight, all scattered around the building. We thank you for all of our teachers and leaders and those who serve in so many places. We ask now, Lord, that you'd open our hearts, forgive us of our sins, so that we might receive your word as you'd have to give it to us by the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, good evening. Good to see all of you. If you don't have a copy of the outline there, some here and there's some also at the back. It'd be good for you if you have that so that you can follow along. We now find ourselves in Lamentations chapter number four. Lamentations chapter number four. I remind you again that <clears throat> Lamentations is built <coughs> in these, uh, built on the Hebrew alphabet. And so you have these 22 verses that we'll look at tonight. <clears throat> they parallel what you have in this is an acrostic, so each letter of the alphabet, if we were reading it in Hebrew, all the words that begin in the first verse and down to the second and the third, they follow the Hebrew alphabet. It's beautiful. It's poetic. So chapter 1 has 22 <coughs> verses. Chapter 2 has 22 verses. And then you have <coughs> 66 verses three times. You have the alphabet repeated which we've spent a lot of time in Lamentations 3, and now we come <clears throat> to the distress or to Zion the city. This is an interesting uh, thing we're looking at tonight. Jeremiah speaks as if he's speaking for the city of Jerusalem, and he is describing the suffering city as the suffering city confesses what it's like to be under the judgment of God. Have you ever wondered what is it like to be under the judgment of God? Well, this is what we'll learn tonight. The most important thing for us tonight as we begin is to read God's Word and get these verses in our mind. Those of you who are joining us online, may the Lord bless you. We miss you. We wish you were here, but we're glad that you can join us online. And I, and I do hear from... Some of you, and we're glad you're joining us from wherever you are. May the Lord bless you. Lamentations chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. How dark the gold has become. How the pure gold has changed. The sacred stones are poured out at the corner of every street. The precious sons of Zion weighed against fine gold. How they are regarded as earthen jars the work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer the breast they nurse their young. 
But the daughter of my people has become cruel like ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the infant cleaves to the roof of its mouth because of thirst. The little ones ask for bread, but no one breaks it for them. Those who ate delicacies are desolate in the streets. Those reared in purple embrace ash pits for the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the sin of Sodom, which was overthrown as in a moment, and no hands were turned toward her. Her consecrated ones were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than corals. Their polish was like lapis luzi, lazuzi, excuse me. Their appearance is blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the street. Their skin is shriveled on their bones. It is withered. It has become like wood. Better are those slain with the sword than those slain with hunger. For they pine away, being stricken for lack of the fruits of the field. The hands of compassionate women boil their own children. They become food for them because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. The Lord has accomplished His wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger, and he has kindled a fire in Zion, which has consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the inhabitants of the world, that the adversary and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. Because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests, who have shed in her midst the blood of the righteous, they wandered blind in the streets. They were defiled with blood so that no one could touch their garments. Depart, unclean, they cried of themselves. Depart, depart, do not touch. So they fled and wandered. Men among the nations said, They shall not continue to dwell with us. The presence of the Lord has scattered them. He will not continue to regard them. They did not honor the priests. They did not favor the elders. Yet our eyes failed. Looking for help was useless. In our watching, we have watched for a nation <clears throat> that could not save. They hunted our steps so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end drew near. Our days were finished, for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles of the sky, they chased us on the mountains. They waited in ambush for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils, the Lord's anointed, was captured in their pits, of whom we had said, under his shadow we shall live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, who dwells in the land of Uz. But the cup will come around to you as well. You will become drunk and make yourself naked. The punishment of your iniquity has been completed, O daughter of Zion. He will exile you <clears throat> no longer. But he will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will expose your sins. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. May the Holy Spirit of God be our teacher now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. To remind all of you again tonight, if you're here and you're new to this, what is Lamentations? Jeremiah 
<clears throat> is grieving and lamenting the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple of God, sometimes called Zion. Jerusalem is Zion. And so he's writing this lament describing the horrible, terrible judgment of God that has come upon the disobedient children of God. This is a judgment on God's people. This is a judgment on God's people. They're carried off into Babylonian captivity. Horrible times have come, and we've walked through this to see this sadness. Jeremiah sometimes is speaking as a prophet, declaring what God has to say. Sometimes he is speaking for himself and lamenting as we've seen him lament as he suffered. Here's a righteous man suffering among these who are suffering because of the judgment of God on their sin. Nevertheless, he suffers with them. And then sometimes he speaks on behalf. He speaks as a prophet would speak like he's doing here tonight for a city, for an entire people, for an entire group. What is it like, what is it like to come under the judgment of God? What is it like to come under the judgment of God? Well, this parts of God's word help us to learn what the book of Proverbs teaches us. Proverbs 1.7, listen, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. If you want to have real knowledge in your life, if you want to have real understanding in your life, here's what you do. You fear God. You fear this one who has all power and authority, who is full of love and grace and mercy, but always judges sin with exactness and with completeness. So tonight I ask you, do you live in the fear of the Lord? You remember what they, the Lord Jesus was talking to his disciples one day and said, fear, fear him, don't fear man, but fear him who has the power to kill and also to throw into hell. That's only God. So tonight we come back to these words and we're reminded of the fear of the Lord being the beginning of knowledge. So when we study these places where we read these harsh and terrible words, we learn that when God's judgment finally comes, it is ruthless, it is complete, it is, as we read in verse 11, it is fierce, it is consuming and completely destructive. This is what's coming upon the earth. This is what's yet to come. When we pray, come Lord Jesus, the church is taken out of the way, and then the great day of judgment comes upon the earth and upon the nations and upon the kings. There is a great day of judgment coming that is promised in the Word of God. And all of these judgments prior in the Word of God that we read about, though they are terrible, the Lord Jesus said, none of them compare to the great trial, the great trouble, the great tribulation that is coming. So what is it like to be judged by God? Well, this is the fear of God. If I hear this, then I would want to say to myself, I don't want to be judged like this by God. You see, the ultimate judgment that comes on people is that of refusing to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what did the Lord Jesus himself say? In the most famous verse in all the Bible, for God so loved the world 
that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. Eternal death, eternal perishing is the fate of all of those who say, I don't need God, I don't want God, I want to do what I want to do, I want to live the way I want to live, and they live their life focused upon themselves as if they are in charge, and one day they die and they meet God and they live forever in hell, separated from God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and understanding. So what do we have here tonight that I'd like for you to see? Well, I've given you a number of things. There's so many things that we can focus on from Lamentations 4, and I'm going to try to work my way through this and talk about some things, but I want to make sure that I've brought us all along here. <clears throat> First of all, if you noticed as we were reading chapter 4, we, we fell upon several times the word Zion. We fell upon the word Zion. As Jeremiah is describing Jerusalem, he is describing uh, the nation of Jerusalem, the, the city of Jerusalem that, that belonged to the nation of Israel, and he's describing Mount Zion where the temple is. So we read in verse 11, The Lord has accomplished His wrath. He has poured out His fierce anger, and He has kindled a fire in Zion. First of all, what is Zion? Zion is a geographical place. It is in Israel. It's in Jerusalem this very day. Jerusalem has been destroyed and rebuilt, destroyed and rebuilt. The temple has been destroyed and rebuilt, destroyed and rebuilt. So now we find this matter of Zion. Oh, Zion has a great point in the past for Israel, but Zion also has a great promise for the future. The Lord Jesus will again reign someday for a thousand years in Jerusalem, literally, physically on the earth. He will reign and He will reign from Zion. There's more that God will do with Israel. There's more that God has to finish with Israel and His promises to them. But for this season of time, we live in the time of grace, in the days of grace. And so we, we find here these words about Zion. So let me just take you for a moment. We'll do this quickly. But I've given you these places, and if you'd like to turn to them, Psalm 48. Zion is the city of God. Zion is the city of God. Of all the cities of the world, Zion is the city of God, built to reveal the glory of God to the nations. That is Zion. Let me read to you from uh, Psalm 48, if you'd like to turn there, Psalm 48, verses 1 and 2. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, His holy mountain. He's describing now Zion. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the far north, the city of the great King. God in her palaces has made himself known as a stronghold. So we see here, Zion is the city of God, verse 1 of Psalm 48. Zion is Mount Zion. It is on the hill there in Zion, called Zion. It is the city of the great king. It is the, it is the place where the Lord Jesus, as I said, will one day teach the nations 
the truth of God. But then we read in Psalm 50, it's just right there across the page, Psalm 50, verse 1 and 2. The mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, where has, where has God, where has the judge of the righteous and the wicked, where has he summoned from? Well, he summoned out of Zion. The perfection of beauty God has shown forth. I remind you of this now so that when you read the next verses from Lamentations, you see the shock. The city of God has become the city of God's great judgment. The city of God has become the city of unrepentant, godless children of God, children of Abraham who would not believe. So we read, and I give you these verses from uh, Jeremiah, and I could have uh, multiplied these. I heard, as, I heard a cry as a woman in labor, the anguish as of one giving birth to her first child, the cry of the daughter of Zion, gasping for breath, stretching out her hands, saying, Ah, woe is me, for I faint before the murderers. You see, this is the daughter of Zion. This is... These are the children of Israel. And Jeremiah is prophesying. Now, remember, Jeremiah preaches all of the book of Jeremiah and then attached to it is this lamentation when judgment comes. And then what did we read as we began Jeremiah, uh, excuse me, lamentations? What's the first lament? The first verse. Notice now back to chapter 1 of Lamentations, verse 1. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. At one time, Zion, the place where the temple of God was, where God's people gathered, where the nations came to see the glory of the temple that Solomon had built, the, the, the place where the place was crowded with people. Now how lonely sits the city of God when judgment has come upon the city of God. Sometimes, and by the way, I mentioned to you before, when you read these laments, notice verse 1 of chapter 1, the word, the, the word how. In chapter 2, verse 1, the word how in verse 1. And then you come to chapter 4 and you see again in verse number 1, how. The word is alas. The word is alas. Or how can this be? How can this be? Jeremiah is in shock. How can this be that the city of God sits in uninhabited when it was full of people? Then chapter 2, verse 1. How can it be the Lord has covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud of his anger? He has cast from heaven to earth the glory of Israel and has not remembered his footstool in the day of his anger. And then we read now as we started in chapter 4. Go there now. Chapter 4, verse 1, how dark the gold has become. How the pure gold has changed. The sacred stones are poured out at the corner of every street. All of the riches and all of the gold of the temple and all of the gold that had been built up through the kingdom of Israel in its time, all of it scattered everywhere taken and stripped off and taken away. And that gold which 
remained, it has become dark. It's been burnt. Everything's been burned. Everything's been destroyed. The city lays in ruins. I'm describing this for you because it's something, it's a sight to see. Glorious Israel, Jerusalem, Mount Zion, and the glorious temple of God are in ashes. And now the stones of gold and all of the stones that were part of the temple are all scattered around like rocks on the road. So Zion now has a number of confessions. Now, this is not, there is one I'll show you tonight. Through the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah is confessing the condition of what it's like to be under the judgment of God. These are confessions of what it is like to experience God's judgment. This might be for you tonight. For someone who's hearing my voice, this might be for you tonight. This is what you want to avoid. This is why you want to repent of your sins. This is why you want to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't want this to happen to you. You don't want to perish. And here's an example of the judgment of God coming even upon His own children, the nation of Israel. God is not partial in whom He judges. He judges all who sin equally. You don't want this to be true for you. So number three, Zion's confessions concerning her sinful conditions. There's a pattern that we find in chapter 1. We find it in chapter 2. Then we find a confession of sin, as we saw in chapter 3. And now we're back in chapter 4 to a continuation of confession of sinfulness. So this pattern of confession is laced all through the book of Lamentations. Tonight my job is to try to string these together for you. Number 1, in chapter 1, we go back for a moment. Before we go to chapter 4... We go back to chapter 1, and I've picked out some phrases. Here's a confession of what it's like to live in the shamefulness of sin. If you sin, you will have shame. And you can try to hide it. You can try to convince yourself that if you sin, you will have shame. There's shame associated with sin. What happened to Adam and Eve? God said, you have all of this, but you don't eat of this tree. The devil comes along and says, has God said? He's just lying. Why? You, he just wants to be better than you. You can have it. Eve sees it. She likes the fruit. She's attracted to it. She takes it and eats it. Adam eats it. <clears throat> their eyes are opened and they see their nakedness and they are ashamed When you sin, there is shame that runs in behind. What follows sin? What follows the act of sin? Shame. Shame follows sin. She has become an unclean thing. They have seen her nakedness. Describing now, describing Israel like a woman or like a city, however you want to describe it. She has become an unclean thing. They have seen her nakedness. She groans and turns away. Her uncleanness is in her skirts. She has fallen astonishingly. She has seen the enemy enter her sanctuary. And then I highlighted it for you. Here's the last word, verse 11. See, O Lord. It's in quotations. See, O Lord, and look, for I am despised. 
People find themselves and they get into some sinful relationship. They think that it's all going to be good. And when the relationship ends, they despise the other person because it's sin. Secondly, Lamentations 1, 14 through 15, bondage. What happens when we sin? We not only experience shame, but we experience bondage. Look at verse 14, or you can just read my notes. The, the, yoke of my trans, the yoke of my sin. See, that's what sin is. It's a yoke. It's a yoke. You can't move around. You can't get around. It controls you. The yoke controls the one who is in it. The yoke of my sin is bound by, the, by His hand, that is God's hand, and they are knit together. My sins have been knit together, and they come upon my neck. He has made my strength to fail. That's what happens when you get into sin. The bondage of sin will take your strength away. I don't care how young you are. I don't care how think, you think you're smart. When you sin, your strength is gone, and the Lord has given me into the hands of those against whom I am not able to stand. And then I've highlighted for you, <clears throat> chapter 1, verse 18. My virgins and my young men have gone into captivity. All that sin brings is bondage. There is no good in sin. Shame and bondage. This is the confession of those who lived in their sin without repentance. And then we come to chapter 2. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verse 14, in the midst of the confessions, he says these words, it's the self-assurance of sinfulness. People say, well, I'm just going to be my own person. I'm going to be independent. I don't need God. I don't need anybody. I'm going to be self-assured. I'm going to take care of myself. Your prophets have seen, uh, have seen for you false and foolish visions. And they have not exposed your iniquity so as to restore you from captivity, but they have seen for you false and misleading oracles. Oh, what is it that happens? Here's, here are the words, here are the words of sinful Israel under judgment. Here's what sin will get you. Shamefulness. Here's what sin will get you. Bondage. Here's what sin will get you. The destruction of your self-assurance. You'll be judged in your self-assurance. But then we found those blessed words, Lamentations 3. We, we, we found these glorious words. What wonderful words they are. Verse 40. What did we read? Let us examine and improbe our ways and let us return to the Lord. I ask all of you tonight, are you in a good relationship with God tonight? As a child of God, are you in a good relationship with God tonight? Is your relationship with God good? Are you in fellowship with God? We talked about it Sunday. It was hard, wasn't it? The Lord says to us in the disciples' prayer, Forgive us our debts as also we have already forgiven our debtors. Are you still holding things against others? Are you still living in open sin and rebellion against God as a child of God? You've gone back and you've become carnal again, fleshly. You're living for yourself again. You're not following God. You'll be miserable in it. If you live that way, you'll be miserable in it. And your fellowship with God will be cut off. But we must come and say, let us probe our ways. 
we lift up our heart and our hands. I'm reading now from Lamentations chapter 3, verse number 41. We lift up our heart and our hands toward God in heaven. We have transgressed, that is, we have sinned and rebelled, and you have not forgiven. You have covered yourself with anger and pursued us. You see, God will pursue you. The wrath of God is, he'll give you what you want. See, this is what Paul helps us with when he talks about the wrath of God in Romans 1. God gives us what, if you go long enough saying, I want this and you want your sinful desires, God finally says, here, have it. Have all of it you want. Have all of this you want. Feed yourself on this. Gorge yourself on this sin. Be drunk with this sin. You'll discover that you find yourself in shame, bondage, and you must, you must find a way back to God. That's what the whole point of chapter 3 is. It is what we spent days and weeks on. That godly sorrow leads to repentance. Just being sad because you got caught by God in your sin does not lead to repentance. Well, I got caught. So sorry. No, godly sorrow says, I have sinned greatly against God. So I must greatly repent. And then what do we find? We find now the continuation in chapter 4 of Lamentations. Zion's pain from God's judgment. Now, what is it like? What is it like to live under the wrath of God when you won't repent of your sins? What's it like? Sinner, what's it like? Unrepentant sinner, what is it like? Jeremiah now speaks for those unrepentant sinners and describes the terror and horror and pain of their suffering from verses 3 to 10. The tongue of the infant cleaves to the roof of its mouth because of thirst. The little ones ask for bread. The consecrated ones were purer than snow. Now their appearance is blacker than soot. Their skin is shriveled on their bones. The hands of compassionate women boil their own children. They become food for them because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. Famine, loss, cannibalism. The most horrible things were going on because there was no food. There was no water. All was cut off. The Babylonians shut the city down and complete destruction came. And the young and the best were hauled off to Babylon and the rest were left to die. What's it like to be under the wrath of God? There's no remedy. There's no Savior. There's no one to deliver you. That's what it's like to live under the wrath of God. And you and I have friends and neighbors. What will it take, O church? What will it take Where can we go to God's Word to motivate us to get out of our shell and tell somebody else how to be saved? What will it take? What does it take for us as God's people, American Christians living in Dixon, Tennessee, who some of us think everybody here is already saved. They're not. The mass majority of people in this county are going to hell. What will it take? How many more times do we have to read of the horror and the pain and the loss and the shame and the bondage of those who live in sin against God? The Lord has accomplished His wrath. He has poured out His fierce anger, number six. 
He has kindled a fire in Zion. The Lord has done what He purposed. He has accomplished His word. You see, judgment will come. God will do what He's going to do. The world can joke about it. People can laugh it off. People can dismiss the Bible, as many do today, and laugh it off and say, well, if God was going to judge the world, He certainly should have done it by now. But you see, God is a God of grace. God does not want any to perish, but for all to come to eternal life. Here we find these words, and we find this wonderful promise of grace. When the wrath of God is satisfied, the grace of God is seen again. Look at it here. Jeremiah, it's under your point number six, Jeremiah 33. Behold, here's the promise. Here's Jeremiah preaching to a nation that was soon to be judged, but when the wrath of God was satisfied, behold, I will bring to it health and healing, and I will heal them, and I will reveal to them an abundance of peace and truth, and I will restore the fortunes of Judah and the fortunes of Israel and rebuild them as they were at first. Hallelujah. And so Zion confesses their sin, as we saw in chapter 3. This is what you do when you have godly sorrow, but now we come... To another confession. We find that Zion number seven confesses judgment has come upon them because of their, I'm going to change this note, their dependence upon man rather than upon God. Number seven is Zion's confession of God's judgment has come because of their dependence upon man rather than God. <clears throat> Some of us in this room are counting on our smarts and our youngness and our health and our strength and our connections and all the rest to get us by. You're going to find that it's going to run you short. It's never going to be enough for you. You're not smart enough. You're not resourceful enough to get to heaven on your own. You're never going to get to heaven on your own. You're never going to get to heaven by trusting in other people and putting your confidence in them. Now notice this, because of her prophets, I'm reading now from chapter 4, verse number 13. Because the judgment of God has come because of the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who have shed in her midst the blood of the righteous. And now they wander. God has judged those sinful prophets and priests, but the people listen to them. If you go on down, you discover in verse 17, they were looking for some nation to deliver them from Babylon. Read it there. Yet our eyes failed. Looking for help was useless. In our watching, we have watched for a nation that could not save. They discovered now. This is the confession of those who look for others to save them. Well, we'll go to Egypt. Well, we'll go to some other nation. And they'll save us from the Babylonians, Israel said. No, there was no nation to save them. They depended upon their prophets and priests who were lying and were filled with sin and did not preach the word of God. Oh, by the way, they continued to persecute Jeremiah. They put him in the pit. They persecuted him his entire ministry, trying to shut him up, the one man who was sent. And they listened to lying, sinful prophets and preachers they looked for a nation to deliver them, and lo and behold, in verse number 20, it reads very awkwardly, but you read it slowly and you'll find it. 
the breath of our nostrils, that is our very life breath, the Lord's anointed, that is the king, was captured in their pits. The one who gives us life, our king, the one we relied on, our king, who is our breath, was captured in their pits. And notice the quotations in verse 20. Of whom we had said, look at this. Look, their confidence isn't in God. Their confidence is in a human king. Under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. No, the judgment of God came upon them. The judgment of God came upon them. And then the reminder at the end is this. To all of those who had captured and destroyed the, the children of Israel under the judgment of God, they too, the rest of the nations of the world, will be judged equally by God. And that is the warning at the end of verses, um, verses 21 and 22. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Eden, who dwells in the land of Uz, but the cup will come around to you as well. What is the cup? It's the cup of judgment, and they will drink it. You see, when you sin, you will drink the cup of judgment. When you sin and you do not repent of your sins and you live your life and die in your sins, you will drink the cup of judgment. You will become drunk and make yourself naked, verse 21. And then notice the wonderful promise of grace to the children of Israel. Your punishment and your iniquity has been completed. You will no longer be in exile. See, there's a coming back of God's people, which they did from Babylon in prophecy. But notice, but he will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will expose your sins. If you're here tonight and you think that you're getting away with sin secretly in your life, God will expose you. What you do in the dark will be seen in the light. What you say in the dark will be spoken in, the, in, in public. Oh, the danger, oh, the danger of trusting in man, trusting in ourselves. I'm going to read you from Jeremiah some famous words as we're finishing up. And I don't have them in your notes, but I've added them. And I'd like for you to look at them if you have your Bible. Jeremiah chapter 17. These are famous words. Jeremiah 17. These are words that many of you have heard in your life, but I want you to read them with me. Jeremiah 17 verse 5. Thus says the Lord... Thus says the Lord, Jeremiah said, this is what God says. Jeremiah is now preaching to Israel before the judgment has come and that he's sitting through in lamentations. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind. Jeremiah 17, 5. Cursed is the man who trusts in mankind and makes flesh his strength and whose heart turns away from the Lord. For he will be like a bush in the desert and will not see when prosperity comes, but will live in stony wastes in the wilderness. That's what you have ahead of you if you live your life trusting in yourself or trusting in others rather than God. You will live in the wilderness and you will be in a stony wasteland. Wilderness. In misery all of your life. You can try to cover it up. You can, try to, you can try to chase money. You can try to find pleasure. You can whatever. You still wake up every day 
in your sin in a stony wilderness. But blessed, verse 7, is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but it, its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. <clears throat> the heart is more... Right, listen now. Hear Jeremiah preaching. This is for all of us tonight. You say, Pastor Mike, I'm okay. I really know, I know, I really know what's inside of me. I know how to control myself. Do you? Do you, my friend? The heart is more deceitful than all else. Your heart, your mind, your emotions, your affections. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. The heart is more deceitful than all else and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The point is not one of us can really understand what we're like on the inside. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the result of his deeds. What is the danger we face tonight? We face the judgment of God if we choose to live trusting ourselves rather than trusting God. That's, a, that's the story of Israel. So what do we learn from these things tonight? Well, God will not share his glory with any of us. You cannot glorify yourself and glorify God. We must humble ourselves and glorify Him. Unconfessed sin brings God's full and complete wrath. Unconfessed sin brings God's full and complete wrath. The judgment of God on sin begins with God's people. Peter said it, For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? You see, the Lord disciplines us as children, and some of you are in a hard place of discipline tonight. You don't like where you are as a child of God. But it's because of your rebellion, or it's because God is shaping you into Christ's likeness. The uncomfort you feel is that of what God is doing to you. You see, judgment comes first on us. You see, fathers make a decision and mothers make judgment to discipline their children. They're not doing it to punish them. They're doing it to better them. Judgment does begin at the house of God. God is judging His church even today. What did the Lord say to those Revelation churches? Repent. To all but two of them, repent. Do what you did at first. Go back to what you started with. Strengthen the things that remain. Get things back to life. Go back to what matters. But all I remind us all tonight as I finish, God's judgment comes on all who live in sin. Guard yourself from an unrepentant heart. Guard yourself. Guard, you think, I'm okay. Be careful. Watch yourself. Guard your heart. For Keep your heart. What does the book of Proverbs say? Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. And so finally tonight I end with these wonderful words, and I didn't put them on your outline, but they come from Micah 7.18, because here's this great word of grace at the very end of chapter 4. Now there's hope. 
Now the grace of God comes back through after the judgment of God has been poured out. And God speaks again to the nation of Israel with a promise for a bright and beautiful future, which has not yet completely been fulfilled, but will be in the days ahead. He says, he says it here in verse 22 of chapter 4, the punishment of your iniquity has been completed, O daughter of Zion. Micah 7.18 says this, and this is how we'll close. Listen, listen as we finish now. Here's a, here's a good one. Here's a good word for all of us tonight about the grace of God that goes with the judgment of God. Micah 7.18. Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and passes over the rebellious act of the remnant of his possessions? He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in unchanging love. Micah 7.18. Did you hear it tonight? Did you hear what the Word of God says? Did you hear what the prophet says? He does not retain his anger forever. The anger of God, the wrath of God is satisfied in the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. The wrath of God is satisfied against sinners who are unrepentant. When I repent of my sins and I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is satisfied and He pours out upon me His unchanging, amazing, glorious love, forgiveness, grace, mercy, and it keeps coming and it keeps coming. Is anybody happy to hear that tonight? The grace of God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ given to us freely. And it's for all of us who will turn from our sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You young ones who are here tonight, you must make a choice now whether you will live for God or not. Don't go down the stony path. Don't live in the wilderness. Don't live in the waste place, places, thinking, being convinced by the lies of the devil and the culture that you'll be able to make it. There's nothing there. There's nothing there in a sinful life but misery and pain and bondage and shame. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ and to all of God's own children who still have gone back, who have become stubborn and hard-hearted. Repent of your sins. That's why you're in such misery. That's why you're experiencing such pain. And let the love of God be seen again in all the struggles and difficulties of your life. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord Jesus is near the door. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, and rectify things and put this world in order and finish the promises to Israel so that the glory of God would be seen forever and ever through the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank You for tonight. We thank You for the glorious words of the Bible and lamentations. Now we've heard the confession of a sinner who would not repent. Now we've seen it. But we've also seen in it the glimpse of what it's like for someone to lift their hands and heart to God, probe their ways, examine their ways, and return in repentance to You. Oh, may it be that for all of us. And we thank You, Lord, that Your fierce anger is not forever. But You have sent, You have by Your love, God the Father, You have sent by Your love, the Son, the Lord Jesus, 
so that we might have life. Bless all my friends who are here in this room and those who are <clears throat> joining us online. Whoever hears these words, may they be encouraged. May they turn to Jesus and live. And for that we say hallelujah, amen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. Good to see all of you. Say hello to somebody on your way out. We're glad to have you. Come back be with us Sunday if you can. God bless you. Have a good week.